Michael Waits Media, telling Asia's stories. Okay, we're on. Hi, this is Michael Waits, and welcome back to the Asia Tech Podcast. It is great to have Vladimir Chuchkin, a co-founder and the CEO of Waste Labs, on the show. Vladimir, thank you so much for coming by today. How are you doing? Hi, Michael. Thank you for having me. I'm doing great. How are you? I am super. Before we get into the main part of our conversation, why don't we give our listeners a little bit of your background for context? Uh, so, I'm Vladimir. I'm uh, originally from Russia. I live in Singapore for the last seven years. Came here with my family. Back to my days in Russia, I was in uh, the energy business, in power generation, and oh. I spent lots of time in uh, Southeast Asia because that was my, my markets. Well, in terms of energy, I've been dealing with a wide variety of power plants from nuclear, which Russia is obviously famous for, yeah. uh, and uh, down to small-scale renewable energy like hydro and so on. And a very interesting niche that I tackled was so-called waste to energy, which is, yeah, which I think bridges nicely to what we're going to be talking about later on. So the small plants that basically consumes the rubbish, the city waste, and produce something good out of it, which is electricity, in our case, was, yeah, was my passion. And I traveled a lot in uh, Indonesia, Malaysia, and other markets in the neighborhood. Uh, looking for uh, provinces that had to deal with both shortage of electricity and excess of waste. So what does that mean when you were working in the energy business and if you were focused on waste energy, were you coming from Russia into the region to sell a product or a sort of a system that would then take that waste and turn it into energy? What was your role exactly? In the energy, and I think it applies to any infrastructure business, you have certain stages of it. So I think where it starts, we call it project origination. Okay. You need to find the location. You need to find uh, those who benefit from this project, meaning to say uh, maybe uh, electricity consumers like citizens, uh, mm-hmm. governments who have shortage of power. Uh, and uh, the adjacent part to it is called project structuring, where you basically bring together the technology, investments, maybe some regulation and licensing, uh, overall uh, project management and only after this part is done and the result of it will be a set of agreements which basically regulates the project then you can start doing the construction and then when the plant is built yeah you can go to, into operations this is really good planning for running your own business if that makes any sense right because you're kind of doing front to back if you go from origination in other words who needs this why do they need it where can i put it and then the project structures, what should it look like, even if they do need it, what should it look like? And then the regulatory environment, getting all that stuff together is kind of like building an individual, even if it's a small one, business from scratch every time you do it. Absolutely, absolutely. And I see lots of patterns uh, from what I've done before uh, in power generation and what we're doing now in waste management and the whole circle economy uh, and production supply chains. So what what got you interested in the waste to power? I want to get to circular economy in a few minutes, but it's a unique side of the power business, right? So if you look at the oil business or the coal business, nuclear, again, I risk my life saying this, but it's much cleaner than the other types of energy, right? But waste to power is 
you know, you're right. There are one megawatt plants, two megawatt plants, not thousand megawatt plants that do this, right? So what was the interest for you there? Uh, well, it is a combination of factors. Go ahead. I don't want to sound very romantic or dramatic, yeah. uh, but uh, I, because of my job, I had to travel a lot, uh, not to places like Jakarta and Bangkok, where the, all the headquarters are being, uh, right, right, right. being made stationed, right? So I had to go to provinces, and I had to go to landfills. And yeah. uh, when you see the mountains of trash, and uh, I don't know, the smoke coming up from this uh, burning trash, and the children playing behind the fence of this landfill. Yeah. That creates not really pleasant uh, memories, I would say. I understand. So, yeah, this was one part. The other part was, of course, there was a hype about the renewable energy. And uh, just like now, people are happily talking a lot about things like, uh, I don't know, sustainable production. Yep. That days, uh, like 10 years ago, uh, if, you, if you are in, in the renewable business, you obviously get attention. From, uh, from everyone who is somehow connected to it. Fair enough. Uh, the other part, then, of course, was that uh, it, was also, uh, uh, it was also a challenging thing, yeah. just like waste management is now. Because when you think about the PR and marketing, you want to be green. You want to be, you you, you, you be saying that we have X gigawatt of hydropower, zero carbon emissions and so on and so forth right but when you're behind the doors when you speak to your bankers and when you speak to your i don't know uh partners uh the question is what is the cost of power generation what is the cost of your product and of course that days it could not compete properly with what's been produced from oil and gas and um, i don't know coal uh, and so on so no matter how dirty it is coal power was still the cheapest one Fair so, enough. yeah, and it's very interesting to see that like uh, 10 years later uh, or whatever it is now, uh, we, we can see that renewable energy can happily uh, compete with uh, conventional power and those bankers who are very skeptical uh, and uh, could afford only having like a thin part of, of their portfolio being green uh, now say that, look, this is business as usual. Technology yeah. popped up, business models, new business models happened. And um, you don't need any subsidies anymore. So this business can survive. It can survive. And I want to talk about this. It's weird because they've kind of co-opted this word sustainable, which really just means can last for a long time, into meaning this other thing. Both are good meanings, yeah? But if you, wanted, if you do want to build a sustainable business, you should be able to do this for a long period of time. And from an energy perspective, being clean means that it can also be there for a long time without having any sort of adverse effects. I want to talk about Waste Labs itself. I love the t-shirt, by the way. Thank you. I always wonder who I have to pay off to get one. <laughs> well, I, I, I can give you a couple of hints. <laughs> I can give you a couple of hints. I like it. <laughs> or if you, if you like ours, I can send you one. So. Yeah, perfect. But for the people that don't know, because you referenced it earlier, what exactly is Waste Labs? And what prompted you to start it as well? Well, Waste Labs is the name of our company. Uh, We are a Singapore-based startup. If I try to summarize everything in one sentence, what we do is we develop artificial intelligence platform for uh, waste management companies and uh, sustainable supply chains because waste is an inevitable part of the supply chain these days. And in real time, like what does that actually mean? So you, you devise this artificial intelligence platform for waste management and supply chain but what does it really mean like what are you trying to accomplish with this and where does the ai come into play that makes it different than what's happening already 
to be more specific about the AI I was just talking about. So in uh, just like in this uh, energy business that we've been discussing, uh, waste management uh, or waste collection to be even more closer to the topic that, that we are busy with right. uh, has certain stages. And uh, the very important part of it is what we call planning. So how exactly you deploy your collection system, how exactly you want to collect waste in a new area or a new waste type. And we help companies uh, who call themselves service providers. Uh, we can also call them waste management companies or waste collectors to design new collection system. And if they already have established operations, we help them to make them more efficient and more profitable through a set of data analytics and uh, artificial intelligence insights. So in other words, we take their data, we process them, and we tell them how they can improve their operations. I feel like a waste management business, without knowing them really well, is probably a very traditional business that's been around for a while. What is it like when Waste Labs rocks up to them and says, we're going to employ data analysis, artificial intelligence, and machine learning to make your business more profitable and more efficient? What is that original conversation like or initial conversation like? Yeah, I think, Michael, it, uh, actually, it really depends on uh, what market we are talking about, what country we are talking about. Good answer. Because, yeah, similar to, to, the, to the energy, uh, you can have markets which are undersupplied. So meaning to say that in the neighborhood here in, let's say, here in Asia, where, where we are currently uh, working from, right. you have countries where waste is not collected at all. And uh, collection is being done by uh, state-owned government-owned facilities, organizations, okay. uh, right? So they're not commercially driven. Their job is just to make sure that waste is collected. And there are markets which are privatized and uh, very competitive, uh, meaning to say that companies, private companies work there and they compete for the, for, the, for the clients. If this client is a municipality or if this client is a waste labs private limited company that owns uh, an office space and needs to procure waste collection services directly. So then it's a different story. I think important part to, to note about waste collection is that it is very complex and very, it has a massive scale of operations. So for you to imagine, we are talking about thousands of hundreds and thousands of collection bins that you need to service daily if we are talking about a 1 million population area. So that would be the easiest way to, to imagine that. And in order to do it, you are operating hundreds of vehicles. Right. So this is a very intensive logistic exercise. Yeah. For the service providers, it yields low profits. Just because, as you said, this is quite an old school, underinvested business in principle. Right. So comparing waste collection or waste logistics with uh, anything like DHL or FedEx, which is our general logistic examples these days, maybe we can sometimes see a 15, 20 year gap in terms of the, the way companies operate. So waste collection is very manual wow. when it comes to planning. DHL, FedEx and other guys are very digital and so on. But waste collection companies are becoming more digital, especially when market is, is competitive. Right. So they, they, they realize that they need to, I don't know, equip their trucks with IoT devices, collect some data, they procure and use 
expensive and uh, complex IT systems to make sure that they understand what's going on in their backyard. And uh, here we come with the idea that we can use your data, process it, and give you some insights that would help you to operate in a more efficient way. So if maybe we speak about uh, developed countries like UK, for example, okay. which is one of the markets where we operate, there we help them intelligently find adjacent customers that would make their collection routes more profitable. Like imagine I'm already collecting waste somewhere and I have 50 companies, 50, sorry, 50 customers that I service on a daily basis. Right. And I have a potential to collect from, I don't know, 10 more. So who are these 10 more? You have thousands of businesses operating within the same area. Who do you want to target? Who would make sense for your current collections? Who will make it more profitable? Uh, so this is one example. So we, 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 the other example is uh, maybe look into what you're currently doing and see how you can do it more efficient, how you can shorten your routes, how you can drive less miles, how you can spend less hours per day servicing your customers. So these are the simple things about, well, simple and not very simple, of course. Right. Well, simple to explain, but very difficult to address. Yeah. This seems like a very complex problem that's just waiting for a technology to address it. Right? It seems like a massive gap in the market. And it's not just in one city or in one state or in one region. It's everywhere in the world this is taking place, yeah? Absolutely. And uh, I uh, would also like to bring up one, one interesting point that Tell me. we probably didn't really realize when we started Waste Labs. So our point was very operational. Okay. Like there is a waste, there are waste collection companies that uh, existed for decades, and uh, it happened this way that twenty years ago they made more money uh, because it was easier to collect waste uh, than now. Due yep. to, I don't know, number of factors today they are struggling. So here we are with our data and AI to help them uh, become more profitable. But through some projects that we operated here in Asia, we realized that the interest towards waste management is also coming from the consumer product companies, industrial companies, industrial manufacturers, food and beverage, and so on. And the reason behind it is that with all this agenda of moving towards circle business models, when you not just buy Coca-Cola bottle, I mean, Coca-Cola drink and 7-Eleven finish the bottle and uh, discard it right. at, the, at, the, at the trash. And then it goes to incinerator, like we have in Singapore, for example, or okay. to a landfill, or what's even worse, just uh, on, the ground, yeah. uh, on the ground, right? Yeah. So when you collect it, you bring it to recycling facility, and then uh, you send it back to Coca-Cola factory so that they can pour a new drink and uh, bring it to 7-Eleven so right. that they can buy it again because I like Coke. So this is the new concept that has become extremely popular. So this is what you mean by the circular economy, again, for people that don't understand. In other words, instead of just taking that Coke, buying it, drinking it, and disposing of it with no intention to do anything with it, the idea is that Coca-Cola actually wants that back. Absolutely. So they're not even recycling it per se. They're just using it again or figuring out a way to make it, again, just so that it goes right back around in a circle it doesn't create waste, yeah? And also saves them money, makes them more money, margins are better, but it's also better for the earth as well, yeah? Absolutely. If, if, you, if you think of what drives this in general, I would put climate change and global warming as a number one factor. 
because I mean, first of all, because our lives depend on that and quality of our lives. Yeah. And waste is the fourth largest contributor to, to the emissions because this topic is uh, most efficiently being discussed and can, all the commitments, all the good commitments that are, that are being done are done by governments. Right. So the consequence of that is that, that governments worldwide imposing new regulation on how me and you and the businesses need to address and deal with their waste. Right. So this is number one. Okay. The second one would be the second driver for that would be the consumer behavior. So, I mean, this might sound quite subjective, but there have been a number of studies recently that shows that almost one third of one third of us are ready to pay premium for sustainable products. Like, I don't know, buying Nike shoes made from, I mean, where the sole is made from recycled plastics or right. uh, recycled nylon. That creates a chain reaction with, uh, with the corporates, uh, with those Coca-Cola and other food and beverage companies, consumer brands, and so on. These companies, in turn, increase the consumption of recycled materials. And that, again, goes down to waste. So this is really interesting because what you're, what you're suggesting is that and I want to talk about these things together somehow or separately up to you, but that supply chains themselves are almost inserting themselves into the waste collection process to create this circular part of the economy. Is that fair? So that they're transitioning from like actually just making waste to making value with these materials that otherwise would have just been thrown away or incinerated. So the supply chain now is becoming directly related to waste management, which I don't think most people think about. Is that right? Uh, yeah, well, this is a very good summary of it. So I, I would still strip a few layers. Tell me. That. Yeah, tell me. So I believe in the ideal world, or well, it's like it, it would be my, my final phrase in this conversation. I, I'm dreaming that more like alternative waste collection providers would appear right more like more more waste producers would turn themselves into waste collectors as well just like you said okay but these days of course as i said waste collection is very difficult complex operational business right so because you're dealing with lots of assets and of course for consumer good products uh, so for, sorry for consumer good companies that is a completely new vertical that they need to that they need to study and learn how to how to operate it. So right. uh, I believe the current synergies exist in the form of joint ventures between consumer product company, their material supplier, so those who maybe I don't know supply plastics to to Dell or to Apple, uh, and a waste collector, a waste management company that operates both collection and recycling. So then in this triangle or rectangle, uh, you would have waste collector who collects the waste, brings it to recycling facility, recycle, and then sends to, to the material supplier so that they produce something out of this waste, let's say an Apple adapter charging, charging point, right? right? And then send to Apple to, to, to finish the product and distribute it uh, in their retail chains. So that's, that's how it works now. So this is more about joint ventures, partnerships, etc. So you mentioned that you would like to see or you dream about seeing new waste management companies arise. And I think a lot about vertical integration. And I'm curious whether you see a company like Waste Labs, because you said one of the things that surprised you was you didn't realize that these consumer-facing companies would actually have this issue or knew about it or that type of thing. 
But do you see a time where Waste Labs itself would turn themselves into that company and vertically integrate? So not just manage the waste disposal, but insert yourselves into the supply chain. You've already solving the complex problems of managing all of those little pieces using artificial intelligence and technology. Why not just, and I'm simplifying here greatly, why not just buy a few trucks for yourselves and just use it <laughs> to do that? You know I'm simplifying, but you understand the question I'm asking, right? There's, is there a benefit for that type of vertical integration? Yeah, well, of course, Michael, I do. And I must say, your, your point is actually very provoking. So now the serious answer is uh, we are not looking at it at the moment. Uh, just because as a startup, I think one of the one of the mistakes you can make is to take care of or like to to have a very broad focus on on, on what exactly you're doing now. So we try to we try to stay within our domain. I understand. We're very we're very I would say focused on servicing uh, or targeting traditional waste management companies, helping them become more efficient. Uh, I don't know, more profitable. Uh, we can entertain some some projects where. Uh, you have consumer brands or material suppliers and the waste management company because still they are the only one who can do the operations these days. But dreaming big, I would say technically if we know we have the means, the tools to plan cost-efficient waste collection anywhere in the world and be data independent, be able to de-risk this capital-intensive projects, right. uh, we might consider doing something like that uh, in future okay. alone or in partnership with someone. Uh, so, yeah, let's dream big. Let me run you through an example historically. Amazon launches by selling books and calling itself the biggest bookseller in the world. And, you know, they were an asset light company that said that they would never own their own warehouses. And then they started building warehouses because they thought that they could manage it more efficiently. And then they launched Prime to get people to be involved more on a day-to-day -day basis they could offer other services through prime and then they solved a whole bunch of problems with that and now they're like the third largest logistics provider in the united states because they have prime logistics and they're building airports in kentucky and other places and the whole thing sits on a platform called aws so it's like this vertically integrated giant that does all of these things because it figured out how to use the technology and its own artificial intelligence to be able to, to be able to solve all these problems you're in a different business, but I can just, you don't have to answer this, but I can just see a path into that. That's all I want to say. Anyway, you have recently been funded. Is that true? Can you talk about that? Yeah, sure. With pleasure. So, uh, yeah, indeed, we, 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 we recently closed our pre-seed uh, pre funding, yep. uh, funding round, so which was uh, a big success for us because, again, as, as we are quite a young startup in the beginning of our journey, such things as uh, investor, uh, investment events uh, make you feel inspired, but also serves as a certain validation to what you're doing. So one, I guess, in the in the list of indicators, whether we're doing right or wrong, or right or wrong thing at the moment, there would be clients, because if they don't buy what we do, there is no point of... <laughs> then it's not a business. Like, labs to exist, yeah, or yeah. developing what we develop. Right. Uh, and investors is, of course, the second one, because if you, are, if you cannot uh, dream big, if you cannot explain how this becomes a part of something, something bigger, uh, of, of, of a bigger trend, if you want, how this helps make the world better. That's also uh, not the very, I would say, not the very fortunate way of, 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 of having things. 
Yeah. So uh, we started the company at uh, the in talent investor program called Entrepreneur First. Oh, okay. And that's where I met Elias, uh, my co-founder and the CTO right. uh, of the company. So he's basically the, the, the father of our technology. Uh, he's got a lot of experience. He's been a guest at your podcast, so I won't be, yes. uh, I won't be, yeah, speaking too much about it now. So <laughs> That's everyone okay. who, who is interested, yeah, <laughs> you can probably uh, search to. Uh, I'll link search, to it uh, for sure. Yeah, uh, yeah, search for that episode. Elias and I, we started the Waste Labs, and uh, we were successful enough to get initial funding from the program. Got it. Uh, and that gave us some, 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 some buffer, some, uh, some money to run. For both of us, we, we prioritize revenue as, a, as an indicator that we are doing the right thing for, right. The, for the market. And we very quickly managed to get our first client here in Singapore, Good which stuff. was an international waste management company okay. that uh, deployed their first tanker project in Singapore. And uh, with them, we managed to get more business and they helped them make more business here. So they are now quite a big name here in, in Singapore market. So more clients more markets uh, and then suddenly we realized it's now time to raise funds just because we we build up enough jobs in the pipeline and we are at risk not to be able to execute it just because it's only three of us right. that was the the reason why we started raising uh we we're lucky to get supported by some of the industry experts industry leaders so those uh, we, we always look at, at investments as uh, something more strategic than just money sure so we had a few angel angel investors who supported us, and then EF also uh, extended their funding uh, into Waste Labs, and we we also build up a partnership with one of the uh, with one of the local venture capital funds here in Singapore uh, who are focusing on uh, sustainability and energy. Oh, that's great! So now feel feel pumped to go and conquer new horizons and markets. Do you? What do you use that money for? Can you talk about how much money you raised or? We made it public, so we raised five hundred thousand US. So it made our pre-seed funding in total total of five hundred fifty thousand. Good stuff. One. We spend this money mainly on on on, on talents. Uh, so we we managed to build a strong team, and we are hiring now to uh, mainly investing into the product development. Because uh, once we figure out what our niche is, what, what's the value proposition that, that we need to work on for waste management companies and some of these sustainable producers. Now it's a matter to execute and uh, make a globally scalable tech platform. Do you feel any added responsibility? Do you know what I mean? Like if you raise money from friends and family, it's one thing, but now once you start raising money from professional investors and industry experts, do you feel a heightened level of responsibility at all? Uh, well, I always feel responsible. Maybe it's my it's my it's my personal one, but I don't know what what, what costs more responsibility: family or friends or yeah, uh, fair institutional enough. investors. Yeah, because I mean, your reputation and your name and friends uh, these yeah. are the things that you yeah you you can buy again. But uh, speaking of the well, I'm not trying to say that you you can be less responsible using no, I completely understand. Money, yeah? everything's in so, degrees. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, I guess I didn't. Feel more responsibility. I felt more support and more more power, because world is huge. Yeah, it's huge. I mean, professional world, in, industry is huge. You, I, I started this this conversation with you with confessing that we were we had a very operational point of view of, of how we should or what we should do right, right, right. To, to 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 build to, to build up this company and the product. Our investors helped us to 
look at it wider. All of them contribute something, a particle, a part of their of their expertise, and uh, that makes us stronger. So, I hope uh, we will not let them down. <laughs> they will be happy to support us again and again. That would be awesome. We we were raising from venture capital funds, but one of the challenges that we were facing when we were pitching to the uh, to the VCs was that uh, ESG sustainability agenda is not on top of their mind. Really? Well, here in Asia. We, we, we have other things to take care of, like maybe financial technologies or um, some services that people consume or need to consume daily. Yep. Uh, and being more sustainable, less sustainable is uh, less critical. Interesting. This narrative was different when we talked to European and American funds. Keep going. But again, you have to discount here that uh, I w- I'm, I'm referring now to venture capital I understand. Firms and investors. The interesting thing that I figured out was that very similar to that was happening in the broader financial markets. Go ahead. Uh, meaning to say private equity, ESG funds, and so on. Okay. And what I'm trying to say here is that I think the climate change conversations on a very top level mm. and uh, this new regulation that was also influenced by COVID created lots of lots of new interest among the professional institutional investors towards the ESG agenda. If you look into figures again, I think, if I'm not mistaken, in 2020, the ESG assets under management doubled in comparison to 2019. So you can imagine what, what, what sort of growth I'm talking about. Yeah. There are two differences behind it. The first one is that most of this money are still... Uh, accounted in Europe, I would say like maybe 80%. Okay. The rest is distributed between United States and Asia Pacific. And in Asia Pacific here, which is maybe more relevant to us and our audience is uh, we can uh, we can talk about countries like Korea, Japan, and Australia as mm-hmm. the champions. The motivation behind it, or like the reasons, the reasons for building up this trend, I would maybe highlight just two of them. So first one, as I said, is a new regulation that was coming that was influenced by the climate conversations, the, the COVID, right. and, uh, um, and uh, taking care about the environment. Uh, for these funds, especially those uh, that uh, cooperate in Europe, this is maybe a question of, are you in or are you out? Right. Because if you, are, if you don't have assets under management that have a very clear ESG Component, agenda, right? yeah. Yeah, so then you lose to your peers. Yeah, you're out. Have those businesses. Yeah. So a second one is that the lending parties to these investment funds, meaning to say their clients who basically who give the money to manage. The limited partners, yeah. They in turn are exiting from uh, carbon heavy industries. You're so right though. This is the key yeah. is that the LPs are starting to say, I definitely want to participate in the venture capital world, but I'm selling my factories, my dirty factories I'm leaving this carbon-based world and I want to drag you along with me. Absolutely. Yeah. So as I was saying in the very beginning, I mean, as much as I'm romantic, <laughs> I mean, I really believe in, in making world a cleaner place at least, right? I also believe that all the, all the movements, all the, all the actions uh, should be supported or influenced by financial markets. Absolutely, by a proper business model, yeah? Absolutely. I witnessed this back to renewable uh, energy days. Uh, when uh, it was super popular 
to, I mean, to come up with some conversations about having a renewable energy portfolio. But when it comes again, when it comes down to business discussions or when it comes down to raising uh, project financing, uh, you would be compared uh, like what's your cost of what's the cost of your product. Right. Right. And you will be you will always be losing towards the towards the, the, the conventional. But even uh, you said this earlier, systems. like once you get to the economies of scale or once technology catches up to the trend, then it is equivalent. You can produce solar power, waste to power at the same price or even less expensive than you can from coal or from exactly, exactly. oil and gas. Yeah. So it's the same process. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, and, 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 and this is what, what makes me motivated. So if, if now I see that this initiative that we take care uh, that we take part in, uh, I mean, helping, the, helping some of the producers secure the recycled materials from waste, right. helping their waste collectors. Right. And uh, these initiatives, quite honestly, are still very local. So yeah. that would be one market, one country, one group of stakeholders who does it chances are very slim, you will scale it into other geographies, right. even within the same uh, set of stakeholders. I'm sure, and again, this is just using this pattern from the energy, from the renewable energy experience of mine. I'm sure that in a few years, these business models and this approach would become a business as usual. And uh, I hope that we will see more companies like that uh, who we can help build this and uh, successfully operate and scale using data and uh, artificial intelligence. Okay, that is actually the perfect way to end. Vladimir Chuchkin, a co-founder and the CEO of Waste Labs, that was awesome. Thank you so much for doing this today. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Michael. Thanks for having me.